Today's scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. It's found in the Old Testament portion of your Bibles on page 663 if you'd like to follow along. The return of the redeemed to Zion. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. We have been working through a sermon series called Still Hoping where we are waiting in the season of Advent for the birth of Jesus, but also waiting for the return of Jesus. And that takes us to the book of Isaiah, uh, who was hopeful and who encouraged a discouraged people that a king might come out of, uh, of a time of disarray, that there might be a leader who would bring about peace and justice and the right relationship with God and with each other. And so we still hope with the Isaiah, you know, 2,500 years plus later, and we have been working through different kinds of things that Isaiah is hoping for. And so today, we are hoping with Isaiah for a return home, for God's homecoming parade, but I felt like we can't really get there without understanding why they're away from home. It's not a big deal if you're like, oh, I'm home, like, let's have a homecoming parade. Um, But we have to understand them going into exile, and so The texts that we have read from Isaiah so far in this series come from uh, a further back time, from like the 700s and 600s BC, when Judah ruled themselves and were fearful of the kind of encroachment of like the Assyrian Empire and then the Babylonians. But by the time we get to this particular chapter, it's birthed from a different time frame, more like the 500s or the 400s BC, in which Babylon has already destroyed Jerusalem and Judah, Uh, and we really just have a hard time actually understanding what that tragedy feels like. Uh, We've been victorious enough in our recent historical memory that we just don't know what it is to imagine uh, what that tragedy felt like. If you were from Jerusalem, I mean, think about here, Uh, this church has worshiped in this building for a very long time, right? Since 1871. 
Uh, can you imagine being in Jerusalem and you worshiped in the temple and a foreign army invades and destroys your holy place? Like that's painful. And it's painful also because they did things in that space that they didn't think they could do other places. So sacrificial kinds of things, that happens there. And so they're in heartbreak over that. And Babylon takes you from your home and takes you and moves you across the empire and you become slaves and you, you live out thousands of miles away. And where is home? And you have generations of people who are born who they heard the stories of what it was like to grow up in Jerusalem, but they didn't know themselves. And so like, what is it to long for home when you have never actually even you know, experienced that place? And so they're in this despair because their, their families are broken, their friends are scattered, and they're hoping that they can get home again. And that sounds like a completely outlandish dream. And it's in that same time that I just want to show how important that, that story world is for them uh, because we see it in other spots. The texts written from this period show the importance of this same storyline. Uh, it's no wonder why our, our creation accounts, parts of them, from Genesis 2 and 3 with the whole Adam and Eve and the garden story, the Jewish people start wondering who is our God when they're taken from their land and living among other religions and other people groups. And they hear other creation stories, and they're like, wait, is that what God's like? Who is God? And so imagine that they understand themselves as a people who used to live in a paradise. We used to live in a good land that had fruitful trees, and it was beautiful, and it was easy. But you know what? We didn't obey God. God had instruction. We didn't listen to God. We ate from the fruit of the wrong tree. And you know what the punishment was? Exile. We got kicked out. We got sent out into a hard planet that it was hard to grow things in, that toil was challenging. And we long for a day that we can return to God's garden. And what does it look like to have the everlasting life and joy of being back in paradise? And that story rules this time frame. And it rules their hopes and their imaginations and all that they long for. And so it's in that story world that we enter into Isaiah 35 when he talks about a people of exile celebrating a homecoming parade that is about to happen, that is in the future, that is to come. And I wanted to explain why I use that language of a homecoming parade, uh, because yes, they're going home, but, but homecoming parades, whether it's high schools or colleges or wherever you might have experienced them, they're joyful celebrations, but they're celebrations about inviting community members who have, who have kind of spread out, who have gone afar, inviting them to come back for a joyous occasion together, to be the community together again. And I, I realize that I'm not, probably not the best person to talk about homecoming parades because I have been a really bad homecoming person. I have not gone home for any of my homecomings, whether it's high school or college, because I keep graduating and moving to other places. Uh, and it's a lot of work, and you might have experienced with your own like reunions and things like that. Some people make it back, some people don't. But even the people that don't, that doesn't mean that they don't want to be with you. Uh, 
there is a desire to return home and to return home in a healthy way, not to the toxic cliques of whatever the groups used to be, but, but to celebrate being community together in a way that, that you maybe never even experienced when you were there before. And so a homecoming parade, I, I also think is a good illustration for us because they tend to be joyful. I mean, I think about pep rallies, right? Like you're supposed to be lifting up your spirits and often these homecoming parades are, are, are geared around uh, like a big game, and usually you don't schedule the, the hardest team you're going to play. You want a good weekend, you pick a good spot on the schedule that you think you can be victorious, and they're joyful. And I should, should mention on this joyfulness and the exuberance around homecomings, uh, you, you know the phrase that everything's bigger in Texas, right? I, I grew up in Texas, and I can't talk about homecoming parades without telling you one tradition that is unique to Texas that you probably should go home and Google and search and see what I'm talking about. But way back, um, some guys thought, okay, I'm going to this homecoming with someone. I want to get my girlfriend a, a flower. And so they gave them this chrysanthemum, these mums. And then it became a contest after some time in which, well, I'm more grateful about my girl than you are, and so i got to get a bigger thing. And so the flowers kind of grow, and eventually you, you move from a real flower, a real mom, to a fake mom because you need it to be bigger, and you start adding ribbons on it and all this stuff, and you put letters on it, you put your girlfriend's name, you put your name and your school's name, and I didn't mention that the ribbons are colored by your like, school's colors, and, and then that's not enough. You've got to put like a stuffed bear on top of it or, or like your state shape because it's Texas. Uh, and then you put all sorts of these frills and battery-powered LED lights. And you've got to put some bells on it, of course, because every girl wants to walk around all day sounding like a cowbell is going off everywhere they move, right? And it's so large that now it has to wrap around your neck and it can't be clipped on. And these mums that go the whole length of you, I, I did give away this, you wear them all day. It's not just a, I have to deal with this for an hour or two, but I gotta carry this around with me all day long, and these poor girls. But it's meant to demonstrate, go Google it, mums, Texas, M-U-M. It's meant to demonstrate the kind of extravagance, the jubilance, you know, it's joyful, celebration kind of gone crazy and that's a whole thing wrapped up in these homecoming parades it's meant to be crazy think about the floats and how they're decorated it's meant to be over the top joyful and so Isaiah has a picture of some over the top joyful celebrations of those in exile returning home and so I want to read for you the first couple of verses that just reinforce this joy right up front the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. Do you know any dry land, land that's glad? It hasn't rained all summer. The dry land is glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it's you know, kind of flower, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The desert is singing for joy. That's a joyous parade route. If you can get the soil to be on board with you, it's a good homecoming. 
And so I don't know whenever you think about going home, people have different routes, and I, I'm, not, I'm never quite sure what each state loves to kind of pick on on their neighbors. But you think about going through uh, northern Indiana, it's a joyous northern Indiana. It's, for the people of, of Judah, they're surrounded by wilderness and nothing. And that that nothingness is celebrating for joy. And so it's an act kind of of defiance and hope to say, even the wilderness is in joy. And, and it also kind of alludes to that Garden of Eden, Eden type imagery, right? Like even the dry land is rejoicing because it's about to change. It's about to come into fruition. It's about to be, be transformed. And so it's in that, even the ground is getting joyful, that Isaiah gives some commands. We have some, some orders in this text. Isaiah says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. And I love that this passage is filled with imperatives. Strengthen the weak. Make firm the feeble knees. Everyone who has feeble knees knows what that might feel like to have strengthened knees. Say to the fearful, be strong. It's like, okay, the ground is getting joyful. Everyone that is in exile that feels weak, that feels downtrodden, start telling each other to have hope. Be strong. Do not fear. And I love that Isaiah is kind of turning us, if you think about this homecoming parade, we're the cheerleaders. Be strong. Be victorious. We're going to make it. And you're trying to rally each other up. Have hope. And so, why should we be hopeful? Why should we feel no fear? Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Now, I think part of that is you are not alone, which when you're scattered and abroad and, you know, when the temple is so far away that you used to cherish and love, that God is with you wherever you are. And vengeance Sounds extremely negative, I think, from our kind of vantage point in our world. Um, but to think about vengeance as righting wrongs, you know, of healing what's broken, of giving life to what's dead, of bringing order to what is chaos, you know, that God is going to set things right. And when you are in exile and in pain, you want something to be set right again. And so God is going to come and restore order to your chaos. And so that's the hope. And in that hope, uh, when God moves, things happen. And so Isaiah tells us that the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. So that, that desolate land that was singing for joy now has water flowing freely. And what I love about that passage, you might remember that passage because it gets quoted in the New Testament. Luke chapter seven, John the Baptist sends his followers out to Jesus and they're like, hey, what's the deal with what you're up to? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're waiting for? Are you the king? And Jesus responds, and he tells them, he says, 
Say to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. These kinds of things you hope for are happening. I am here. I'm with you. And so if we are having a homecoming parade, we need a king. And the homecoming king has been named. And Jesus is celebrated as king of this joyous parade. And with God having already been victorious and with Jesus as our king, we start making our way home in this text. And Isaiah talks about this in some wonderful poetic imagery. He says, a highway shall be there. It shall be called the holy way. And I always love the kind of the way imagery because that's how Christians were first called. That's what Acts tells us, that people of the way, they're on this journey. They're on this movement together. And so Isaiah talks about this holy way, and he gives us some things about that homecoming parade, about the route, its participants, the atmosphere. And so the first thing I want to share with you that Isaiah talks about is that, the, is that God's homecoming parade is clean. You've probably been on a street or a highway that looked a little bit messy. Maybe you've even seen the sign like, this highway was cleaned by and like is supported by and names a group that takes care of that highway. But the first thing Isaiah tells us is that, uh, that God's highway, that his homecoming parade is clean. And it says here, the unclean shall not travel on that way, but it shall be for God's people. I think we could read that in one way that sounds very exclusive. The unclean can't travel on God's way. Uh, but also you can flip that coin over and read it another way. The unclean shall not travel on this way. I think that most of us in this room want to identify ourselves as on that route, that we are going with God uh, to God's uh, home for us, to where everything is restored and renewed. And I don't know about you, but not everything in my life is clean and perfect. I haven't uh, lived a perfect life. I make mistakes. I'm sure that uh, I'm not alone in that in this space. And yet, all of us traveling on this road, God says, the unclean shall not travel on it. So somehow, we are miraculously clean on this road. Uh, and I don't know how on our own that we can wash ourselves, but somehow God says that we are clean on this journey. And God keeps that road clean and renewed and so it's this image of this clean path. And, and Isaiah goes on to talk about God's homing, homecoming parade is foolproof. It's clean and it's foolproof. He says, nobody, not even fools, shall go astray. Now, if you know a parade route, it takes a lot to mess that route up, like to go the wrong way. I mean, there's barricades, there's just movement going one way. If you take a wrong turn, that's, that's kind of on you. Uh, I think about our Christmas parade here in Jackson of we're going down Michigan Ave. If you turn on Jackson Street, you're going to be by yourself. You're like, why on earth did I turn? The parade route was, was obvious. And I love that Isaiah just even calls out, if you're on this path with God, if you're on this homecoming parade, you can't miss it. 
Like when you are following God on this, God's path is, is, is not going to lead you astray into death and to wilderness, but you are going to make it home. And that is a hopeful image. And so that hopeful image is also wrapped up in the idea of that that parade is safe. He talks about no lion shall be there, no ravenous beast will come upon it, and they won't be found there. But ultimately, you will not be ultimately harmed that there is a safe passage and a clear passage home. God's homecoming parade is also for the ransomed and the redeemed. Isaiah 35, 9 says, but the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. And we might kind of conflate those ideas and not really know exactly what that means, but when you think about the redeemed, that that redeemer language uh, gets used in the book of Ruth, that she gets um, redeemed by a family kin person who marries her uh, and helps restore her and her mother-in-law. And so there's a family kind of kinship aspect to being redeemed. And so God is like the strong member of the community who risks God's self to take on those who are weak and who are vulnerable and make us a part of the family and draw us in and say, you have my protection, you have my honor, you have my well-being. And not only are we redeemed, but we are ransomed, that we belong to God, that God has, has purchased us, and that's the kind of metaphorical uh, thought world is this kind of economic transaction. Uh, think about servants or slaves and, and people that are bought in that time, um, that you were slaves to the Babylonians, but God has bought you. You are now going to be set free by your God. And I also like this financial metaphor in this particular instance because uh, God has paid for this parade route. It's like a freeway, it's not a tollway. And so you are invited into this uh, and you don't have to pay for it. God has paid for you. And lastly, God's homecoming parade is a joyful celebration. Isaiah 35 ends with, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And I love this, that the the extravagant joy on all these people returning home, uh, they have that extravagant joy because they know they've won. They're celebrating the win has already happened, and that's part of what's a little bit different with the homecoming parade metaphor is this is more like a championship parade in this kind of moment of the victory's already been won. There, there's not this kind of unknown about how the game or the event's going to happen later. And so I know that, th- that that kind of extravagant joy that comes with that celebration of winning and of being victorious. But there's this fun thing that happens where if you're a fan of a team, you feel like you won. It's like, well, you didn't technically win. Uh, your team won. That's great. But... It doesn't matter that it's God who won. We all get to have that extravagant joy. We all get to jump on the bandwagon of, of, of this celebration and this renewal. And so we go on this, this route with everlasting joy upon our heads. And I love that it doesn't just say that, that sorrow is not happening anymore, but it says sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And so it's not just so joyous, but also the, per, the hate and the, the pain and, and the sadness, and all of that is just fleeing. Uh, as the parade route comes, it just parts the waters ahead of you.
And so with this image, I want to ask us as we move towards Christmas and towards the good news of Christmas, how are we making that journey to Christmas this season? Because Christmas is coming soon, and it's that moment where we remember the birth of Jesus, but we also think ahead with Isaiah uh, and with faithful people for over two millennia. We look ahead to the breaking in of God's kingdom, of renewal, of restoration, of of returning home, of finding uh, God's paradise for our lives. And we hope with them, how do we make it to that Christmas? Do we seem like people in this story who have joy, who have reason for hope, who in the midst of still being afraid a little bit and still being a little bit doubtful and suspicious, but can we encourage each other to stand strong, to not be afraid and to have hope with one another? Because we go to Christmas with hope that God has prepared a holy highway for us. And so I hope that we remember that we have a homecoming king. And I hope that that we all say yes to that invitation. Because you can always decline that homecoming party invite. "Ah, Maybe I'll go next year. But maybe this season is a season of saying yes to returning to God. And so will we accept that? Will we come home to God this season and come home with God this season? So would you, pray, would you join me in prayer? Lord, we long for that joy that Isaiah talks about. And we know that you are victorious, but um, sometimes we are doubtful or sometimes we forget. Lord, I ask that you would allow your joy and your celebration to reign in our hearts. And that even when times are tough, that we ultimately can live uh, with some peace in your, in your victory. Lord, we thank you um, for your redemption, for your restoration, for cleaning uh, what is impure, what is, uh, what is broken in us. Lord, we ask for that transformation to be even more evident, even more uh, real in this season. And Lord, just turn all of our eyes and our heart to you in this moment. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. a song called All the Poor and Powerless. You'll find it in your bulletin. Mm-hmm. 